All right. Jesus. That was sexy. Quite the sound. Look, I got up very early this morning. Okay. In Animal Loft Studios in historic Del Mar, New York, I am the podcast co-host most likely to co-chair a local chapter of Toastmasters someday, Bobby Pape. And joining me for this very special, this show has everything, uh, public speaking and performing edition of the show, the co-host who strictly adheres to the seven Ps, that's pronunciation, pace, pause, punch, power, passion, and posture, that is, of course... Meredith, the MVH Van Harn. Good evening, Meredith. Good evening. I am sitting up very straight, as usual. I would expect nothing less. Next up, the co-host who avoids cliches like the plague. It's Anne with a planned Lund home. Good evening, Anne. I wouldn't be caught dead at Toastmasters, you nerds. <laughs> Way too cool for Toastmasters. You can listen to my stories tonight and understand why. <laughs> Uh, and finally tonight, the co-host who doesn't get nervous because she knows to just picture the audience, the audience naked. It's Hillary, the age bomb Livingston Butler. Good evening, Hillary. It's very true. I mean, what skivvies are you wearing? I'll design it in my mind. I stumbled just thinking about it. <laughs> uh, and sadly, uh, the co-host most likely to recite Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky right on the first try, the nice lady Christy Wise could not join us tonight. That's all right. Uh, we're talking public speaking, a public performance, the good, the bad, and mostly the bad. Uh, we'll also do some small talk, the mailbag with what you want AI to do for you. And of course, Tishi recommends and how you can get involved with the show. Good evening, everyone. I realize I skipped your uh, studio names because I was so preoccupied with my own script, but you're all in the same place as you always are, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm an, I'm... I'm the one that lived in the uh, submersible. I'm I'm down here. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> it's your fault. We can never use this as a best of now because know. you just brought up the implosion of five rich people. I know. I'm sorry. R.I.P. But what if I like overcame all of them and like you know took it down and then now I'm just like I'm the captain here. Well, it was just five you. rich people, right? So, like, what are the odds that one of them wasn't like, well, we'll all survive longer if we murder one of you? Yes. Right. Yep. Oh, the yeah. other thing that I was thinking when I was watching the coverage, you know, when thinking inappropriate thoughts about a tragedy, <laughs> as one does, I was like, yes. mm-hmm. all men. Yeah, all men. Uh, yeah. I, think I wonder why. Uh, is there one woman? I thought I read that there was one woman. No, and, the... the I, I don't know the nationalities of everybody, that, but the guy who had like the Indian sounding name. Yes, it was yes. It the ended father with and a, the son were so, Pakistani. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he had a name that ended with A, so it seemed oh, a little bit oh, like yeah, Western yeah. feminine. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was a man. Well, you know they don't let the secretary go down in the ship. <laughs> no. I don't know what to tell you. And I'm like, is is this because women have been held down in capitalism, so no no women are that carefree with their money? Or is no. it because women are not dumb enough to do something like yes. this? <laughs> yes. Correct. <laughs> I always just think, like, I don't, 
I mean, whatever. I'd, I guess I'd go into space if it was like offered to me. Yes. But, like the fact that we know like a lot more about the outer reaches of space that like then we do the bottom of the ocean. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm good. I don't I don't need to go down there. I don't really. Nope. I need somewhere where they've explored or seen and we like can't explore or see that much down there. I'm good. I'm not you know, interested. Th- that's an interesting point because under no circumstances would I go in a vehicle like that down to the bottom of the ocean. But yeah, I'd go to space. No. Yeah. I mean, I guess it I guess it it depends on who's sending me. Like I'm not going in that shitty little submersible sure. that, company. That yes. propane tank that yeah. they sent to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, but like and I'm yeah. probably not going in, in Elon Musk's um penis <laughs> ship to outer space. <laughs> but if NASA was gonna send me, sure. Yes. Yes. I need like I need oversight. I need systems. I need something that is like you need like a true. bunch of PhDs on board yes. with you. Yes, yes. and the Not lack the PS3 of PS3 controller that they were using <laughs> right. and, and you need the lack of intention to profit. Yes, right. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I don't know. I get I get claustrophobic in an airplane. There's no way I could, I have a hard time even looking at pictures of that. No, I know device. It I makes know. me so ugh, ugh. I know. Well, any I I mean not that anybody like wants to drown or suffocate or whatever, but the thought of just like I hope for their sakes, I hope it was like quick well you that's know, what they're was, saying yeah, they're that saying that, was that just... it was like the easiest and quickest way to go yeah yeah <laughs> of all the possible options well that's right. comforting it was, it, it was an implosion not that movie on the boat where they started eating each other right. <laughs> okay. very good that's not the small talk that we had no, no. We no. Taken into the actual small talk. no intention yes. of talking about this topic no. <laughs> so sorry nowhere Dumb. near the run sheet <laughs> Top of mind. All right, yes, let's get into small talk. Um, I'm in dis- I'm gonna start. Um <clears throat> last weekend I am kid free for the next oh, I don't know, t- like thirty six hours. Bridget's at camp or is it my you're counting. House. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, God, sweet freedom. Um, but uh so last weekend Dave was like, Hey, why don't we go to like a nice resort, just like the two of us. It'll be fun, little getaway. So we went to this place called La Cantera. Which Great was, Wolf Lodge. Yes, we did. That's exactly where we went. <laughs> now we went to this place called La Cantera, which was beautiful. It's just, it's in San Antonio. It, it is right next to Six Flags. I was like, ooh, Six Flags, but um, did not go to Six Flags. It's, but it's like a nice, big, beautiful resort. Um, Dave had said, well, I booked us, like, he had done it, which is great. For the first time, I didn't have to plan everything. Um, no offense, Dave, but offense. And he, we got there, and he was like, "I booked us on the adults, um, on the adults floor." And I was like, "Perfect, great. I don't want to see any children. I mean, I want to limit my interactions with children as much as I can." So we get there um, on Friday, like early evening, and we check in. This is the thing about customer service that makes me insane. So we get it. And you know when you get somebody at the front desk or wherever and you're like, I chose wrong. This is a bad choice. Like this, yep. is, this person is not going to help mm-hmm. me. And so the floor was the seventh floor. That was the adult floor. And you get not just like kid free or whatever. You get access to like the lounge and a free happy hour and you get free blah, blah, blah. Like it's a whole thing. So um, we get there and this woman's door, her name is Dorothy. I took note of it and she is like okay let me check you in and then she's clearly their computers were kind of messed up or whatever and then she goes and whispers to her manager for like 10 minutes and we're just waiting there and I'm like I want a drink I want to go get my happy hour started I want to go I'm hungry and she comes back and says um there's no room on the seventh floor so you're going on the fourth floor and I'm like excuse me I'm like what uh but and I'm so like stunned that I'm like but do we 
but that's what we booked. Is the room the same? Like, I or do we get the same privileges? She's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you do. Just uh, you do. You do. It's fine. Just here and like gives us the key. I'm sort of like flabbergasted a little bit. That so we start walking up and I'm pissed. Like I'm pissed, and I'm. Like, I'm not pissed at Dave, but I'm just, like, being pissy towards him, sort of. And you know when you're pissed, and then you start noticing everything wrong. Like, if it was normal, I would not notice that there were, like, scuffs on the wall or whatever. The the resort was lovely, but then I start, like, nitpicking everything. I'm like, there's stain on the carpet, and there's scuffs on the wall. I'm like, why is this like this? So we get up to the fourth floor. We try our key card, and it wouldn't work. And then I'm, like, extra pissed. I'm like my head is going to explode. So we go down and I'm like, I need a fucking drink. Like I'm going to go, I, we need to go change this out. You need to go talk to them. Like go talk to the manager and I'm going to make somebody go show me where that little happy hour bar is. So <laughs> the guy comes that's in charge of the seventh floor and he's like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and he's super nice. Dorothy was the only person of the weekend that was not like really, really nice and like very hospitable. So uh, he he's like, oh, yeah, I'll show you. and Let me take your bags. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'll take you to the seventh floor. Dave's, you know, about fixing the keys. And the guy says, oh, come with me, sir. And I'm like, no, he's staying down here. He's staying down here. I'm going upstairs. So I went upstairs. <laughs> I'm like, I go into the little bar area. They were lovely. The, they gave me my little drink. I sat down. And I was kind of like, ugh, like fuming, but I was c- cooling down a little bit. And then Dave comes up with the manager, I guess, Chris, and she says, I'm so sorry. Our computers were down, but that's not an excuse. You know, blah, blah, whatever. We're going to we're gonna write this. We're going to discount you, and we, we can move you tomorrow, which I was a little bit like, that's kind of annoying because I hate kind of sort of, un, not like I fully unpack, but, you know, getting your toiletries and stuff out and yeah. not having to move them again, whatever. Anyway, so we go into the room. It's fine. It really was. I mean, I was sort of... At, if the woman had said to me, I am the first woman, Dorothy, and she had said, I am so sorry. We just, there was like a snafu. There's a convention here. It's, that's not an excuse, but you know, we just can't, let me take care of something for you. I would have been fine, but it was just the sort of, well, you're on the fourth floor now. I was livid. Anyway, beyond that, the room was fine. And then we did move the next day. And actually, the seventh floor was much nicer and quieter. But um, we had a lovely time. It really was so nice. I got a massage, an overpriced massage, but it was a very good massage. And I had told Dave, like, go. There was an adult pool, which it all makes it sound like very sexy, but it just means there's like no kids around. <laughs> um, so we, I said, hey, while I'm getting my massage, like, go down and like get, make sure you get some chairs with like a, you know, an umbrella and stuff, and and like stake the claim. So. I get out of my massage. She says, okay, we're moving to the seventh floor. So we go move all our stuff. Okay, whatever. That doesn't take that long. So we move our stuff, change my bathing suit, go downstairs. He has a place. And he was like, I have to warn you, though. I made some friends. And they won't, like, stop talking to me. And I'm oh, like, no. Oh, no. All I wanted – I have a book that's about, like, a shipwreck. And I, or, and I really – like, a mutiny. And I really wanted to listen to it. And we get down there. And it's like there, there's a dental convention going on. So there's some like dental widow that's there that's talking to us. She's very nice, but I, whatever. I shouldn't really don't want to talk that much. Then there's like these hillbillies. And when I, I mean, the guy was such a hillbilly. He was like from this port town in Texas. And he was telling us all about Dow chemicals, and, like work in the, 
I don't know, working his shifts and getting overtime and he just got married and his wife was, everybody was nice. Nobody was rude. I was just like, I don't want to talk anymore. Yeah, it just wasn't, you just didn't want that experience right then. No, I wanted to sit with my sunglasses on, like sip on a drink and listen to my book and play Candy Crush. That's all I wanted to do. Um, But we did end up chatting with him quite a bit. And then the next day when we came down, we were like, well, we're going to have one more swim. We're going to eat brunch, have one more swim, and then we'll get on the road. And then we went down there and they were there again. I'm like, no. Um, so the the trip was lovely. It was so fun. The place really was beautiful. It was hot as hell, but that's Texas. And that we're going through like a nightmare heat wave. But um, it was lovely. I just, there's limits to my extroversion. And it is talking to miscellaneous people at a resort when I just, <laughs> I just want to hang out. Anyway, but it was lovely minus the customer service. I recommend it. I don't think I'll go back, um, but Lock and Terror was nice. It's not cheap, but it's nice. I had a good time. And the pool you, was really nice. Did you stop by the shops at Lock and Terror? I did not. I I did not. There's a Neiman's there, apparently. I did. I, you know, I for somebody who really likes clothes, like I like having new clothes and I like having new stuff, I don't like shopping very much. Like shopping is so boring to me. And I wish that I, I w- that's a rich thing I would do. If I was rich, I would have like a personal shopper and be like, this is what I like. Just go get it and I'll try it on right when you get home. Or I'd have my clothes made or something. I don't know. I don't like I shopping. I see they have complimentary valet parking for Lexus vehicles. I know. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but I believe they also have a cheesecake factory. They, so. I'm sure they yeah. do. I'm sure they do. Anyway, yes. You, so I've had. If you have a BMW, get the fuck out of here. We don't <laughs> want your kind here. Um, no, it was it was nice and relaxing and. Now, this time in two days, I will have my children back with me, which again, excited, not excited, excited. I love them, but you know. Sorry. (laughs) I'll I'll only interrupt here to say, you know, I was in Pittsburgh all of last week. Thanks everybody for the, I hope you enjoyed the cracker episode, by the way. Yes. Um, I was, we were at the Wyndham Grand in downtown Pittsburgh. I am told, you know, you book these things when you're with a convention a couple of years out. And I am told that when this hotel was chosen, it was supposed to have been renovated by the time we got there. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so it was very, like, it was one of those hotels that used to be very nice, but no parking, only a valet. So when I wanted to go out for Wendy's the first night <laughs> at 11 o'clock, because they'd been a long fucking day and I was hungry, um, I had to have the valet bring my car around from a oh, garage several blocks that. away. I hate that. I hate that. I told them to leave it out front. And by the time I came out, actually, here's the the funnier version of this story. I came down at like just a little before 11 and saw one of my board members arriving and giving her keys to the valet. And she didn't see me. And I was in like my sweats. And I just decided to go upstairs and wait 20 minutes <laughs> because I didn't want to have a conversation with her as I was going out to get junk food at 11 o'clock at night. Where are you going, Bobby? Oh, don't worry about yeah. it. Just yeah. to run a quick errand. I'm just going to the strip club. <laughs> the so chicken I... strip club. <laughs> oh, my God. The chicken strip club would be an amazing concept. How does this not exist? I'm sure it does. Um, well, I'm going to franchise it. Okay. Um uh, so anyway, that all that. And then, yes, I got, quote unquote, upgraded to a junior suite, mm. which meant I had two small beds backed up to an elevator shaft <laughs> and all night. Oh, God. <laughs> but I had a mini fridge and um, a, a couch I didn't use except to throw stuff on. And then a massive amount of open floor space between that and the television and yet like no coffee table. Weird. Just like room to do exercises and 
I've never had more room for an ironing board than I did in this particular <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> Sorry to interject. Uh, otherwise, Pittsburgh was great. I'll spare you all the details. Good German food. Uh, yeah, just uh, four nights in that. Yeah, that stinks. Um, well, Meredith, tell us about your skull. Ooh. Oh, my poor skull, you guys. I've been off the show for a couple of weeks, and it's because two, yeah, two weeks ago, I had a root canal um, revision. Uh, this is a root canal that I had in ye olde 1999. Uh, and I guess they don't always last forever. So I went for my cleaning couple, I don't know, a month ago or whatever. And, uh, they said, you've got a spot underneath that tooth where you had the root canal and it looks like it might be an infection, but I wasn't having any symptoms. I wasn't having any pain. So I was like, all right, fine. So they send me to an endodontist and he does another x-ray and then he says, yeah, we should probably do a revision. So they do another root canal, clean it all out and send me on my way. And the next day I wake up, you know, I'm sore, but it's like not a big deal. And I make us breakfast and I'm okay with like scrambled eggs, but then toast is just like a nightmare <laughs> because I was like, what? What I did, I, I kept hitting that tooth and I was like, did I forget how to chew? Like what's happening here? <laughs> and what was happening is that my tooth was swelling, the underneath my tooth was swelling up and it was making my tooth, you know, raise up. And so it was hitting sooner than it should when I Ugh. closed my teeth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was hurting like crazy every time I bit down on it, even a little bit. And so I was like, I can't do this. I can't eat anything. Um, and, you know, I was like, okay, I guess it's soft food for me. Um, and nobody is more prepared for a liquid diet than I am. <laughs> so I've, you know, pulled out the Vitamix and just left it on the counter for the last two weeks. And, uh, you know, it, it was okay that Saturday. It was okay Sunday. But then we went to my mom's, um, which is like a two-hour drive. Um, and while we were there it just started getting really bad and as the night wore on and we're driving home i was in tears and i was like something is really wrong like i don't know what what this is but like it was hurting in my cheekbone and under my chin and like my temple was throbbing and i couldn't get comfortable and there was like no escaping it and they didn't give me anything for pain at the dentist and they didn't give me any antibiotics which in retrospect is weird. I thought, yeah. I, I guess I just assumed that they had like injected something or put it, you know, underneath the, the temporary filling or something. And they had done that, but they didn't give me any, anything to take. Um, no prescription. So I, the dentist had given me his number in case there was an emergency. And I texted him and I was like, I'm on a Sunday night. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but something is wrong. And he's like, what antibiotics are you on? And I was like, none? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> He's like, oh, you should be on one. I'm like, well, okay, why don't you do that? So <laughs> he gave me an antibiotic and a steroid pack. So I had to be on steroids for a week. You're like, and now um, I'm yoked. Now. now I am, yeah, <laughs> I am She-Hulk and it's pretty cool. But long story short, it was two weeks of pretty much misery. The first week was horrible. I couldn't, I could hardly talk. Like even, ra- you know, raising my voice to a normal level. Like the, I don't know if it's the vibrations in my skull, <laughs> I couldn't do it. God. Um, yeah, and it you were just, a, I was you were just, a sad puppy. We, we could tell really even was. over text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not in good shape, and I they I was having to fight with the pharmacy because I finally was like, I need something for pain. Like they were like, you should be taking Tylenol, and I'm like, I am. It's not doing anything. <laughs> oh, God, 
So, and you know, I'm worried about looking like a junkie. I don't want to keep asking for pain pills, but <laughs> they gave me two days worth of Tylenol three and it wasn't doing anything. So nah, the next day I called them bullshit. back and I'm like, this is mm-hmm. nothing. Um, and so they wrote me two more day, two days of tramadol, which is a non-narcotic painkiller. And that actually kind of worked a little bit, but only two days worth. So then two days I had to call back and get more. And the pharmacy canceled it because they're like, we just gave you a bunch. And I'm like, you gave me <laughs> two days. That's not a bunch. And I need more. I had a root canal and they were like, oh, okay, fine. So it was just like a, I was just fighting with everybody and yes. I was stressed out and it was frustrating. And I, I started to like kind of spiral of like, nobody takes women's pain seriously. Uh, like, why do I have to deal with this? This is awful. Um, so I was, you know, pretty down in the dumps. I took a couple of days off of work and just laid in bed with ice on my head and cried mm-hmm. and ate, drank my, all my meals. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Ed drank. <laughs> yeah, <I> no. <laughs> in fact, that might be making things worse because I can't have alcohol with these antibiotics. So I've been totally sober for two weeks and it sucks. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> I could use some wine to take the edge off of this this stress, but mm. no dice. So it's it just in the last couple of days it's starting to get better, and I'm starting to venture to like away from smoothies and towards soup, which is like a big Ooh. step. <laughs> which is what a, a hot smoothie that you put in bowl. <laughs> but it feels it feels more satisfying somehow. It's really awful to just drink all your meals. Yes. I just, encourage you to not ugh. have mango strawberry soup. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not been a fun time and it's still sore, but at least it's not killing me. And at least like my, cause what basically what happened is that infection just went crazy and that whole side of my face, I don't know if it was just in my skull or if it was just all referred pain because my facial nerve was irritated, but I also have a really swollen lymph node under my chin. So I have like a frog neck on one side only. My goodness. Yeah. It's not a great look. So I really hope it goes away soon. Introducing the Tishi Vlogcast. <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Uh, so I'm, I'm, yeah, it's not been a fun couple of weeks, but uh, on sucks. the upswing finally. Good. Yeah. And now when you have that first like pizza or whatever, it's going to be like, oh, yes. I know. So Something I can chew. <laughs> Amazing. You're like a little baby. I know. I hate it. Um, well, on to other monsters. Not an infected skull, but a cat. Well, it's actually more related than it should be. Oh, no. That's why I moved it into the order that it's in. Um, so, uh, Simmy, the little cat, the newer cat to us, who is at this very moment curled up right next to me, looking like a piece of popcorn shrimp on the floor. <laughs> um, you know, he has these behavioral issues. We've discussed this a lot. Right. When we got him. He got He's returned, really right? By multiple previous uh, families oh. or owners or whatever. Um, he and Fella just chase the shit out of one another, and that's what cats do, so that's fine. Uh, but while I was in Pittsburgh enjoying the rivers and how they merge. Um, <laughs> I hear there's three of them. <laughs> there, are, there, are, there are indeed. And uh, I was staying at a hotel right right where they come together, actually. Um, except that I had a view of the tower next door, not the water or the park, because my upgraded room didn't have a view. Anyway, um, uh, a friend of ours, Dana, a delight, one of Sam's best friends in the whole world, and, and I would consider her a close friend of mine as well, now uh after all these years uh came to visit for a few days sam took last week off from work to stay with the cats because i was going to be gone all week um 
and uh, you know, usually I'm the midweek cat caretaker while she's in Boston. And Dana came out to visit for a few days, and normally they would just share a bed because they they have traveled together. They were roommates for a long time, like not a big deal. But because that was not an option the first night, because I was here when she got here, we set up an air mattress right where I'm recording from the office, the other bedroom. Um, and uh, everybody seemed well behaved, so we just left the doors open. There's one set of cat food and water in this room, and then another one at the other end of the apartment. Uh, and she took a shine to Simi instantly. And, and usually with new people, we would imagine him. He hasn't had a lot of experiences since we got him with new people. People really don't come over to our apartment very often. Um, but they seem to hit it off. She picked him right up when she got here and was petting him. And she's a cat person. And so we're like, oh, this is great. Fast forward to the middle of the night. When we hear hissing and screaming coming out of this room. Ugh. Sam and I both wake up instantly shout out at you know we had left our door open so the cats can come in and out and we come in here and um simi to the best of our knowledge dana maybe rolled over onto him a little bit he was snuggled up with her not us for some reason uh and and also either rolled onto him or maybe just the imbalance in the air mattress you know like sort of trampolined him a little bit like yeah like the blob yeah, yeah. thing yeah whatever it was it set him off into his evil mode <laughs> oh and no he attacked her <gasps> face no um scratches deep bad scratches oh, forehead no. right close to thank god not her eye but pretty damn close on the side and on her forehead got a good swipe across the back like the like a like a movie like just like a line of cat scratches just oh, no. digging and um so he's freaked out she's freaked out and um a few minutes later we got everybody separated and uh got her all the neosporin we had basically got her cleaned up and um she does she's not mad at us because again cat person she she understands could have been could have been a lot worse for somebody who wasn't ready for that i guess um she was kind of okay but bad in the morning doesn't look great she went back to boston they they got infected they were just so gross no no emergency department antibiotics they made her come back for a follow-up visit a few days later to oh, check God. on it. She's healing all right now, but we are just, I mean, we were mortified obviously. Yeah. And just like, God damn it. Why wasn't it one of us? Like, yeah, we finally, we, so we just, we can't have house guests overnight Aww. period. Like that's just what that's going to be. I mean, the rest of the, she stayed the rest of the trip, I should say. Um, and she stayed with Sam, but by the time she got back to Boston, it was bad. And, oh. um, yeah, so we're trying to figure out the appropriate gift slash card for Simi to send her to say, sorry, I was an asshole who tried to blind you. Yeah, what do you do in that situation? Send a fruit basket? Petco gift card, I think, because she for her cats. <laughs> yeah. Like, from Simi to them, I guess. And just, he went, you know, completely back to normal. Just just this this demon cat just came out for, like, two minutes. Ah, poor, I mean, he must have. You know, I don't understand cats, but it must have been something. You know, he's he must have gotten scared. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he he clearly has some sort of. Well, and he has major abandonment issues. Like the previous, the woman who brought him back last before he came to us was because she trapped him. He trapped her in her bathroom or something, and I could see it now. Like I could see him doing that to someone. 
He has never done it to us. We've seen him lose it. When we first got him, he did that a few times, but like never attacked us. Just like just something's just snapped. And I think he's grown comfortable with us, so it doesn't happen anymore. But because he doesn't yeah. feel um, so threatened all the time. Well, and it's one of the, it's one of these things where like had it been any worse, we would have had to get rid of him. Yeah. You know, or put him yeah. down. Like yeah. like they're just you know, if if he'd gotten her eye, that would have been it for her everyone involved and it would have been even much much worse but just and now again like i said he's sitting next to me i have a dozen pictures on my phone of him in this exact pose where he's just curled up on his side in a little circle looking about as adorable as can be that sucks i'm sorry yeah oh uh, so am i i mean we were just uh what do you do what do you even do and sam and i are like what do we do with the cat what do we do with our friend it's you were still kind of trying to figure that out but you know yeah you know being super cool about it so god help me i don't think dana listens to this you are far too kind it's like the hallmark doesn't have a section that's like sorry our cat mauled you (laughs) yeah well and i was thinking it's really come from him so sorry i mauled you more appropriate (laughs) you're like i'm not taking responsibility for this it's the cat's fault well i mean kind of i mean we already have a bell on him so you have to you can tell when he's coming and just oh so mad little fucker yep and fella's still fella fella just missed the whole damn thing he's like i'm yeah. sleeping <laughs> so yes i also had an infected face situation that <laughs> oh, i figured God. out man <laughs> Woof. Uh, i mean i get an God. infected face but it's just because i get a monster zit every yeah once in a while. i know exactly <laughs> when you're right, talking about meredith like having a like swollen lymph node i have i don't know there's it's always the same place on my chin where there must be like an abscess back in my skull or something because like every year or 18 months or something it's like it explodes and i actually can if i push up on the soft underside of my jaw it's tender like you can feel the infection goes all the way back there and it's yeah it's it's bad i had it start spreading across my chin to the point one day like i could like in a morning it was almost all the way across my chin and i called my clinic and they were like we don't have any openings and i was like this infection is spreading across my face and they said can you come at 2 30. <laughs> thank well, you we don't have to worry about the rest of the show because nobody slept this night. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey that's life man yeah yep. seriously life's yep. gross mm-hmm. yep. man. Whether so. abscess or cat scratch or root canal, what have you, it's gross. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not having. I'm, oh. I'm putting unnatural holes onto the uh, game <laughs> oh reserve. Oh no! <laughs> no. <laughs> it seems to be the theme. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm moving to the mailbag. That's it. Thank you. Um, okay, here are some of your Facebook answers for uh, what life task would you want an AI to do for you? Um, all right, here we go. Kristen says laundry. I yeah. actually like laundry. Um, I, I like starting. I, mean... I like start. I like it. I like starting it. Like that makes me feel accomplished, and then it's like, it, then it's down the hill from there. Then I'm like, I lose the thread unless I'm like on it. I kind of lose the thread. I'm like, where is it? I don't mind doing my laundry and Dave's laundry because I don't. This doesn't sound gross. I don't, like, besides my underwear, socks, and, like, workout clothes, I don't, like, wash my clothes that much just because I don't need to. Like, I don't spill on them that much. If I'm wearing a dress to work, like, oh, it's, it, do, 
brag well, much. I, I just... know. I don't really have to wash it, and some of it's dry clean or whatever. So I don't have that much laundry. Now, Dave has more because he wears, like, 12 shirts a day. I don't understand what's <laughs> going on with that. But um, the kids, like, I think they don't have that much. And then I'm like... Why is there so many? Why is there, they're going to have to start doing it? I can't. I, I can't deal. I with understand it. the Dave twelve shirts thing because I'm a fellow twelve shirt a day guy. Um, <laughs> we're big, we're big guys. Yes. Me and Dave. Yes, yeah. big sweaty guys. I know. And and also there's a layering effect that helps. Um, oh yes. Hold in the yes. It's yes. not quite Spanx, but like I'm well aware. I, I can't wear a button-down shirt without an undershirt because oh, I'll just Dave always wears an undershirt. Shirt. The thing that yeah. pisses me off about his underwear sh- undershirt deal is he's like the kid. Somebody sometimes he doesn't peel it. Like I'm like I need you to separate them before you put them in the hamper. Oh, uh, that's just rude. I can't. I can't yeah. justify that. But like, <laughs> also I don't understand the A-frame undershirt with the other name that I'm not going to use for it. Um, Oh. The, the sleeveless one. Uh, yes. Be- because it doesn't resolve the problem for no. me. Like, no. the undershirt is taking some of that pit sweat. Like, what's the point? Well, maybe it deals the... with um, chest hair and the, and the guess... nip situation. <laughs> I guess. I mean, that's what the pasties are for, so I never understood. Oh, gosh. Um, the nip situation. Yeah, with laundry, you just kind of have to stay on top of it. Otherwise, I have yeah. seen it where you start, you go into people's places and it's like piled up. And I'm like, I can't handle that. Like, gizzing a little bit. Yeah. I, I am mindful that it's just me doing the laundry. And like you, you, Hillary, my laundry mostly consists of socks and underwear and like workout yes. clothes. So it's yes. not like it's that big of a deal. And people who are always like folding laundry, it's folding laundry. I'm like, what is so bad about folding laundry? You have the TV on and it takes five minutes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I had to put a timer on myself. Like, cause if I bring it up, I'm like, okay, Hillary, give yourself 10 minutes to get this done. Put on a show because I, I work well with limits. <laughs> and if I give myself, then I'll finish it in 10 minutes. It's not a big deal. Well, uh, and of course, you know, we have the chair, obviously. Right. And by the chair, I mean the clothes I wore that I think I can wear a little more. The purgatory, the laundry yeah. chair. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, if it gets all the way upstairs to my room, it's going away. Like, I'm not, I can't put it on a chair. It's it's going away. Oh, no, I, I'm talking about me taking my clothes. Like, perfect example, I came home this afternoon after doing all that driving. I had a couple of afternoon meetings. I took a quick shower because I was gross from being in the car all day, and it was really hot out, and I was out putting up lawn signs at one point. Like, it's been a day. And I put on a pair of uh, olive green khaki pants and a white button-down shirt cause it, and went out. Didn't spill anything on myself. Came home two and a half hours later. Promptly took those clothes off and gingerly laid them on the laundry chair because I'm not going to wear them for a full day mm-hmm. again. But mm-hmm. like if if tomorrow afternoon I have that same circumstance, which I very well might, and I'm going to see people who did not see me today, I'll wear sure. that outfit again. I do the same exact I thing. I agree. Yeah. I think if yeah. you wear it less than half a day, you, you got some wear left in that shirt. Yeah. yeah. It's like a PTO situation. I just, Yeah. Uh, or a full-time equivalency for dirty laundry. Yeah. <laughs> I get anyway, you. Sorry, that was a tangent. I apologize. Um, okay, Jonathan says, dishes. I don't have a dishwasher in my apartment. Well, yeah, that does, that yeah. makes dishes kind of suck. Yep. That's and then one... if you use a plate a little bit, but you leave it on the counter because you're going to use it again in the morning. <laughs> now you say that, that, but... <laughs> well, that's, I don't that's the butter knife necessarily... hanging over the kitchen sink, isn't it? Oh, it makes me so mad. Dave's always like it's soaking and I'm like why just rinse the fork off and put it the dishwasher is right there it's right there I think I'm very fond of dichotomies 
And I think there are two kinds of people in this world. People who don't understand what the problem is if they want to soak their oatmeal dish in the sink at work all day. And people who know that those people are monsters. Monsters. Yeah. Monsters. I can't go so to bed gross. with I can't go to bed with dishes in the sink. Like it would plague me if there were dishes in the sink. No, absolutely not. They have to be in the dishwasher or cleaned and put away. Yep. Eh, I don't care that much, but I can't I can't do Ugh. it. Yeah, but no, that's so gross. I I have seen I'm like, there's not a help a maid here that's gonna do this. Like we're all a part of a society. Just Mm-hmm. Rinse it off and put it away. That might be the overarching message of this show through the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a society. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, okay, Kalina says phone calls, all of them. Yes. Well, yes, we yes, did discuss. Yes, please. Yes. Um, Amanda says cleaning out my email inbox. I have a lot of email piled up. I'm not an email pile up, I'm psycho about my inbox. Yeah, I am mm-hmm. a zero inbox yep. person yeah. too. Um, Bobby is see. conspicuously silent. I know. <laughs> I, no, I, I used to be an inbox zero person and um, actually just opened my, I was quiet because I was opening my Outlook. Um, my work inbox right now has 143 emails, all red. Oh, that could be worse. But, um, mm. We're so, so busy. So well, bad. it was at one point it got to like eight or 900. I sat down mm. one day and like stayed home from work to just clean. Go through it. What I've learned is I can switch it from date received to sender. And then from that person, I can just purge out everything I know I don't need anymore. Mm. It's much faster. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. Jack, um, on the Facebook page, Jack posted this little article about how AI and robots have been a concern of mankind for decades. And then he posted, it's, it's interesting. He said, I wouldn't mind AI doing my taxes and or other mindless forms. The only problem I have with today is that every time I start reading a headline or article about AI... I have I read it as the name Al. I've read it like that a hundred <laughs> times. Well, yeah, yeah. I gotta say, I've done that too. Yes. Yep. Al's just an off-market Siri, or you know, whatever. Hey, Al. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Why, Do my why, laundry. Why it's always all, a woman? That's just mm-hmm. what I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. 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 I've seen her. I know it's. I know it's a thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like that movie that much, but. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a oh, subservient person that's doing things for you. I'm like that's a nice British, like a... a nice British gentleman <laughs> that I could have what do things for of, me. Like, do you want it to be like a posh accent or do oh. you want it to be like the working class? Well, no, I want, I want a normal person. Yes. <laughs> I want, I want a British person that's gone to school, but I don't need yeah. like an upper class yeah, British it's a really weirdo one yep. where you're like, that you don't want a Cockney over. accent. <laughs> no, no, like, giving you directions. I, I'll watch EastEnders if that's what I want. L O L R U. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I have a real time interruption here. Sure. I forget if I told you all about the essay that I asked AI to write for me about music and world events from about yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just as we're discussing this, it must have been the air because I sent that to a, a couple of friends in my work world. And one of them is a trombone player who's putting together some quintet performances for us next week. And he just writes, uh, so tempted to arrange Stacy's mom for brass quintet. <laughs> and the scary part is I'm afraid he might actually do it because he does a lot of really good arrangements. Yeah, I remember not being convinced by the AI's arguments in that article, yeah. in that essay. Yeah, well, you know. yeah. I, I felt that I felt that it was kind of a weak ground. 
Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes here because we're going to talk about, you know, persuasive delivery styles. <laughs> okay. It's part of our medium talk. Um, okay. Tears uh, posted this tweet that says, I want AI to anticipate what groceries I'm running low on, search every flyer and website in my city to find the best price, and compile me a weekly list based on best deals for uh, per stops. I do not want AI to make a picture of me if I were an astronaut. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That is true. God, that would be so because that is be I didn't even think about that. Like, I feel like you know, that's doable. I feel like totally. it should be able to like Google Maps the, should be able to do that. The information is out there. Um, yeah, that, that made me laugh. Okay, Laura says meal planning and grocery lists. Yeah, again, I, 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 yeah, I think the grocery list thing is is fair enough. But the problem is that you'd have to have an inventory system of what groceries yeah. you have. Yeah. So yeah. every time you bought groceries, you'd have to check them in. You know, you'd have to, Yeah. I mean, now it's I'm thinking from my retail perspective, every time we move things between stores, you had to transfer them to others, the other store. And then when they got there, you had to check them in. And so I think everything would have to have a barcode that you would like scan yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. It would be a little, or you would have, say, the manifest for the load <laughs> that you could <laughs> upload into your refrigerator or something, your your grocery yeah. hub that would... Uh, <laughs> upload all all the quantities and stuff so that like that's the only way that you could do it yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean god i hated inventory day so much i like dreaded it all it's bad it's bad oh it's it would stress me out so much because i'd be like i know that there was something we didn't mark or something had been yep. stolen or whatever oh Ugh, I need to be there so late at night yeah um okay um kenneth says cleaning since i don't prior prior prioritize it enough well, there's Rosie for you. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yep. And then finally, Gregory, always with the last minute, like I look at my Facebook and it's like, you have a notification and it's Gregory coming in. He you was know. like, do you need more? And I was like, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Do it. <laughs> uh, he said, in addition to the things I already have it do, I would love for AI to actually, cu- actually curate new music and podcasts for me based on what I'm doing. Like so, creating ones. So like, so like if he's like riding his bike it would have certain yes, things based versus activity, like i think working in the garage versus 3d printing something mm-hmm. you oh, know all the things that he does that's I do. literally it i do <laughs> you understand gregory well mm-hmm. um well thanks y'all it's true i mean there's a, there's some things there's some things that we want to do bobby you want to take us into medium talk oh i suppose we're there aren't we we are that auspicious time. <laughs> and we're only uh, 49 minutes into recording. <laughs> oh boy. And, and, we're, and we're past um, extra face cavity talk. So <laughs> um, medium talk. Uh, this was inspired by something very specific and timely and not the implosion of a submersible. Um, this uh, came to mind for me and I brought it to Jambo this week because um, – I think I've mentioned before that the Albany Symphony has uh, this group of little old ladies. In the olden days, it would have been a a ladies auxiliary, like a booster group of housewives with no jobs um, to do arts and crafts to raise money while their husbands worked uh, between, you know, cleaning and putting steaks on the table and making martinis and such. Um, But it's, you know, the world has changed, but the group exists still. Or the worse, if you ask me. Well, you know, I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) Um, 
and every year they're, they're an independent nonprofit. And so they, they raise money for the Albany symphony. And every year they basically present us a check, which is beautiful. It's wonderful. And we're grateful to have them. And every year they have an annual luncheon to celebrate the state of their business and do their annual meeting and do their voting for their board officers. And, and they invite a guest speaker to come speak. Uh, logical for a guest speaker. And uh, it's not like a major celebrity post. Last year, it was the woman who's a member of the organization who uh, collects um, used instruments in the community to give to children in need, as, as she would say it. Um, uh, you know, uh, and she's she's collected hundreds of instruments through the years. And for underprivileged youths. Yes, <laughs> yeah, something that we would we would say um, uh, children in underserved communities now, or something sure. like that. Sure, not. Not one somebody please think of the poor children, but whatever. <laughs> it's her heart's in the right place if her vernacular is not. Um, and this year, uh, thanks to my charm and ever positive uh, messaging and and uh, glow, I suppose uh, they asked me to be their guest speaker at their annual awards luncheon. So next week, I'm giving a speech uh, to Vanguard, and I know some of these ladies. You know, I see them around at a lot of things. Some of them I don't know quite so well. And um, it, it, there's no prompt. Like, they weren't like, can you give a speech on the state of the symphony? Because I go to their board meetings quarterly, and, you know, someone from the symphony will sort of give them a quick update on, like, what we're doing and our budget and what's going on. And, you know, that's my job. So I can wing that. That's no problem. I can show up on very little practice on a Zoom call and just do that. But they actually want me to give a speech. No time frame, no Yeah, that's topic. what I'm asking. Like, how long... Does it have I, to be? I'm gonna just groove into that five to ten minutes spot, yeah, I guess. Guidelines. Yeah. That's kind of anxiety making. And so when everybody's asked me, you know, my coworkers and such, you know, what's the, and and we also have an event that day, so most of my coworkers won't be there because they'll be covering for me, helping run in a run out concert. Um, it's like, well, what's the speech going to be on it? And I always just say, well, obviously the power of music. Like, yeah, yeah. that's like if you're going to do a TED talk about music, it's the power of music. Sometimes even the healing power of music. <laughs> um, you know, we we have these sort of canned things. But what was that movie with Gloria was... Estefan? Oh yeah, music from the heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I I have sort of um, I have my my sticky stump lines. You know, I often tell people the number one question I get asked when I tell somebody in the world I work for the Albany Symphony is, "Oh, what do you play?" And my answer is always, well, I played the viola for two months in fourth grade <laughs> until they sent me back to the chorus where I belonged. Um, you know, things like that and, you know, better off stage and all that. And they've all heard all that. So I think I'm going to actually have to dig deeper and I'm going to have to like, I think I'm just, I don't want it to just be about me, 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 me. It's got to be like all of you and your empowerment and the work you do as volunteers and as fundraisers and blah, blah, blah. But I want to do that through a personal lens. And I'm sitting here thinking, fuck, I got to write a speech. Yep. <laughs> I got to write my TED talk about the power of music. Hey, Bobby. And it got me thinking you were an about underprivileged this. child. This is Absolutely perfect. I was. <laughs> and I was. And I was brought into music by the church <laughs> uh, 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 and, and my public school teachers. But, you know, I just, I got to, I got to, you know. So it got me thinking about public speaking, um, both in speech writing but also just in times that we've been performative in public. And it occurred to me that we all have had various successes and failures in that arena. And it might be fun to examine them and maybe a little t jarring and terrible, but we're an hour in now almost. So by the time we get to the really sad ones, it'll be okay. <laughs> 
Um, and and I realized as I was thinking about all of my fellow co-hosts, ladies, um, we've all shared at some point glimpses into these stories in one another's lives. So um, it seemed like a rich vein to mine for us. So thus, our misadventures in public speaking and performance. Um, and uh, I think we've got good and bad. I did not on the run sheet put mine in any particular order. I have mm. a feeling that we all have like adolescent versus adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I have sort of good, medium, and bad, and and just um, I have one bad, and then a couple of good, and then just one condition thing. But um, I don't know if there's a particular order we want to unpack this in. Um, maybe maybe most impactful would be just the first thing that comes to mind when we get into this and I'll, I'll open it up. Uh, and I guess I'll start with my really bad one. Why not? Do it. Um, Be brave. This was, it must've been junior year in high school. It was either sophomore or junior year. And I know that because I missed most of my senior year for reasons that would actually help explain this. But um, when I was in high school, every year we would do something called a kaleidoscope concert, which is a general term in my world. But in this specific sense, it was lots of little acts, solos, duos, small group performances. And the whole point was that they would be set up at different places in the auditorium. So um, it would be fast. Like you would perform and then the lights would drop and go to the next person and they would start their thing. And then the next would start their thing. Um, and it was meant to be that way. It was snappy. It was like a power hour of kids music. Right. So you, so you and, don't have all the time wasted of people shuffling around the stage. Or applause. It's meant to no save applause? it all for the end. Like it, what? Yeah, it's meant to be this thing where you just hammer from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Whoa. Yeah. It was actually, it's a cool concept. Um, and I, being the precocious person, I'm, and, and I should preface this. I know I've said this before, but it might have been a while. Um, I was a shy performer as a kid. Not a shy person, because I was definitely me. I was the kid who went door to door selling coupons. I clipped it like four years old with my wagon. Like there was never a shyness about being a hustler. But when the spotlight came on, I would just lock up. If it was a soul, like in a chorus, I could go all day, no problem. And for some reason, I thought this was a good idea for me to do this. You know, I had done some like state school song Con, you know, I'd done like the thing where you sing for some cool teachers from other districts and get judged. <laughs> and so I, I thought, no, this is no problem. This, this, I'll be fine. And I picked um, a, a Gershwin standard, "Our Love Is Here to Stay," which is one of my favorite songs. It was a, I was even more in love with the Gershwin songbook then than I am now. And I practiced, and I had one of the teachers playing piano for me, and uh, I had it all worked out. And I signed up and I did it and I'm in my position and the light came on. And of course, these are the things that we remember vividly. I couldn't tell you most of what happened my junior year of high school. Um, I think my memory is actually worse than most people's. I really don't remember a lot from my childhood, but this sticks with me. It also feels like it took about a million years. I got two or three notes into the song and my voice just just cracked not like puberty crack but like but like dry parched throat heart throbbing sweating profusely gross miserable cracked and i for the love of god squeaked through and was off pitch and and just all over the fucking place for the and i could hear my accompanist like trying to feed me my notes try to feed me the theme as he was playing 
I choked through the entire song. Oh, no. And I, I'm sure it's one of those things where people who were there were like, it's not as bad as you remember it. And I was like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was because when I was done, I got a full round of pity applause. Oh, no. In a program where people are not supposed to clap. Oh, no. Which only made it worse. <laughs> Because I could feel that that whole room, you know, hundreds of parents and friends of whoever just um, just taking, just feeling absolutely terrible for me. Um, the reason I mentioned that I missed most of the senior year and that it's relevant is because it was a year later when I found out that my rapid heartbeat was not natural and was a condition that needed to be treated. <laughs> and then it's very possible that I was having an arrhythmia episode yeah. right. when this happened yeah. because they were stress-induced at times. Um, but even after that, like, I still am just a nervous wreck. I'll double up here and just say that um, I get clammy hands at the slightest bit of nerves. Like, don't shake my hand if I'm even, like, it's gross. Like, I should really go get, like, a... I have like, a friend those... that she got, like, Botox in her hands. Yeah. It... Like, I really should. And I've I've learned to, like, I know when to use Drysol or to use, like, the roll-on super deodorant that clogs up everything. <laughs> everything. Um, but I, my hands just, and I could feel it and I was trembling and it was just, that is one of those moments that will stick with me as sort of the singular, most embarrassing public moment for me ever. And this is not a podcast episode about telling you how to get over it (laughs) because I don't have an answer for that. Like I, I've gotten more confident because I, it's kind of a mask. Like I've learned as part of my job, how to work a room Yeah, and we'll get more to that in my future, you know, other things here. But, um, I just, that concert will stick with me. I'll be on my deathbed (laughs) and I'll be thinking about the wonderful life I've led and Sam and the various cats we've had and all the people I love in my life. And then that. (laughs) It's just awful. (laughs) So uh, there you go. There's my misadventure in public performance. Should I piggyback off that with something? Oh, please. Yes. I mean, if you've got a natural segue. Let's... It's it's not, uh, I would say it's it, uh, it not to that degree, but it, it is a vocal performance. It's from college. And one of the many choirs that I was in was doing as part of one of our concerts, a West Side Story medley. I don't know why. We normally did classical stuff, but we were doing a medley from West Side Story um, great music, and there is a little solo section. It's actually for a trio. It's for a soprano, alto, and tenor in the, um, what's it called? One Hand, One Heart, which is a love song yeah. for Tony mm-hmm. and Marie. Take up my hand, one hand. Yes. Make up our hearts, one heart. And it's very, very beautiful. And so there were the three of us singing, and I was singing soprano. And the end of it goes up and lands on a high note. And in the moment, like, we're not, we didn't step out of the choir to do this because it was just in the flow of the medley. So I'm over in the soprano section, and they're over in their sections. And in the hall and in the whatever, in the moment of it, I couldn't hear either of them. And so I felt like I was out to sea. And as a result, I was, I pulled it. I pulled the high note. Not totally, but like I felt like I wasn't solid. Because if I go for the high note and I'm not with them, then I fucked it. Yeah. And, um, 
And it wasn't great. It wasn't great. It wasn't a great moment <laughs> to the point where one of my friends afterwards who was in the audience came over and said, well, you really bock, bock, bocked on that high note. <laughs> I was like, Fuck you off. asshole. <laughs> Which is you try doing it. That it was not in my head that it happened. So yeah. I do think about him saying, well, you really bock, bock, bocked that one. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> he was a dickhead. The one and only fraternity guy I've ever been friends with. <laughs> You're like, this is why. Yep. Yep. Yeah, fuck that guy. He, what, he yeah. was a very typical um, fraternity guy. Like, I was, I think I was friends from, with him more out of curiosity than anything else because I couldn't figure out why he wanted to be friends with me. And yeah. uh, and the answer was twofold. Number one, he liked my voice because he was a singer himself, so that's how I met him in choir. And number two, he liked my hair. He always used to well, come and play with my hair, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he was an asshole. The only asshole I've ever been friends with. But uh, but I but I think about that one. Are you in are bed you, sometimes? Are we, are we now friends. Well, you know, you have your oh, moments. Nice. <laughs> what about Will? Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, that's Will. right. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. God, Barb. Um, well. Um, Wait, let me use that moment to just, I, I mentioned it on the intro for the rerun last week, but in case anybody was like, poof, Crawford talk, not again, and skipped it. Um, I'm coming to Seattle for the 4,000th TBTL, and um, that asshole will actually bought the seat right next to me after Thank I you. ordered my ticket for the show. So uh, if you want to find us, just look for me next to the pilot. Is he like, going to be wearing his uniform? Like, he won't even <laughs> just leave you alone? God. Should make him wear his uniform. <laughs> Uh, you're like, sorry, you can come. You can sit next to me, but you have to wear your uniform. Is that like, so is that like a dress uniform? Do you have one that comes with a sword or something? Commercial <laughs> pilots get swords. Yeah. <laughs> and what would a military pilot do with a sword anyway? Well, the, sword, the swords are only for flights to and from Florida. <laughs> uh, I can go next. It's not, it's not the worst thing in the world but so you know in elementary school I started having to do presentations in front of the class you know book reports etc and I never liked them I never was was excited about them I always dreaded them and but I did okay um maybe some shaky hands or a shaky voice but I got through it there but there was one (laughs) presentation in sixth grade and it was about it was in science class and it was about the properties of oil like what exciting (laughs) i don't know why this was up to me i chose it only years later would you move to texas yeah Yeah. but it was a i was thinking more about like cooking oil and lamp oil and things like gold yeah not really and the there isn't some grand, terrible thing that happened, but I got through the whole entire presentation in about four minutes. Oh, no. And then I, to demonstrate what oil does, I I pulled out a Brazil nut and I lit it on fire and I just held it in front of the class. And I was like, see? <laughs> it's burning. <laughs> And that is that just the stupidity of that and the pointlessness of that keeps me awake at night. <laughs> see, it's burning might be the yeah. show title. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't see the problem. 
that's awesome. And I think my teacher was just like, all right, then. <laughs> okay. Whoever's next, let's go. <laughs> I think I need uh, to go get a Brazil nut no lighter. It's very uh, entertaining. Can a child, can a sixth grader walk into school with a lighter now? I feel well, like that would be no. a... We were. this was also at zoo school, and we yes. were encouraged to bring... Um, <laughs> pocket knives to school for whittling purposes so you know lighter was no big deal nothing Uh, can go wrong with that (laughs) on on that note if we're all we're doing the failures uh mine was a school related one i was trying to like dig back because i feel like when i have a failure i just sort of like sequester it away in a part of my brain where (laughs) i just don't think about it that much wish i had the capacity to do that but i also have uh the confidence of a much better looking person so i'll just like get up there and be like yeah like i can talk off the cuff it's fine i'm not organized when i'm doing that but whatever i can i can talk but we in a history class i think yeah it was history class in college it was like it was a research paper, which I had already, you know, not done my best on. I sort of mailed it in with that one. It was one of those, like, it has to be, I don't know how, like, I it, it, I knew the word count meant it had to be, like, six pages or whatever it had to be. And I'm like, I can knock this out. I'm good. Let's go. Type it the night before. Got my sources. I'm good. I guess I hadn't read the syllabus that well because we got in and everybody was presenting their findings for whatever research project was. I had no idea that that's what we were doing and like bringing (laughs) props and stuff. And I just like got up. Everybody has like, Mary, it's similar to you. It's like, like people are getting up and doing like big presentations, like with poster boards and like the whole nine. And I think I got up and spoke for two minutes Mm -hmm. on like, so I think I read my paper (laughs) and then I was like, but <laughs> and I remember the shit. I it was more that like I'm watching these people like one after other after other doing like more elaborate kind of studies and stuff. And I was like, I thought this was just, I thought it was just a paper where I like it wasn't Wikipedia, but like I don't know. I looked up an article, like one article or something. And the shit. And then when I went up and did mine, and just the shame of being like, I just it was one of those times that was actually like good it was like Hillary you need to get your shit together in school kind of times because clearly I was on some like I don't really care I just need to graduate I don't really care about my grades that much I you know it's college whatever and then I was like you gotta get your shit together like this is you're better than this this is embarrassing and I think I call yeah I went and talked to my professor afterwards and I was like I'm really sorry I think I misunderstood the assignment and I think he ended up letting me do like some extra credit or whatever but and that's what I always tell my kids it's like you need to admit when you fucked up, like it's okay. You know, at least to your teacher, like I need, I I know that I fucked up. I'm acknowledging it. I'm not acting like this was good. I know that I did poorly and, uh, let me, let me, uh, let me make this up. So yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was, that was not good. That was amazing. I know. I know. Next week you came in and you lit a Brazil nut on fire. I did. I did. I was like, <laughs> I've been inspired. In history class for some reason. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I could do it about like the history of oil or like the nut trade. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll Guys, it, it was out. a bad topic. Stop rubbing my face in it. I know. Whatever Wait. you do, don't Google the history of the nut trade. There's no way was, that ends well. I was well. going to ask, what, what what kind of history class are we talking here, Hillary? Can I'm, we, can we work in the Brazilian nut industry? This was about, <laughs> um, like, gambling laws, like the history of gambling laws. So, no, I don't believe hmm. that um, you could. But, you know, I could figure out a way. I could figure out a way. I could do it. Trust me. 
I could do it. <laughs> she says with confidence. Um, <laughs> I could mm-hmm. do it. Hillary, do you have a success you'd like to balance that out oh, with? Oh, sure. Um, well, another history class. Let's just like mirror these two. And I've definitely talked about this before. Um, success? Maybe not. But again, I have the confidence of somebody who is much smarter and, uh, than I actually am. And I had a history class, my ninth grade history class. I had, I couldn't remember his name, but his name was Doug Miller was the teacher. And I, he, I don't know. He both, How do you remember your teacher's first names? Well, I remember because we called him Doug because we were punks, but I couldn't remember his last name. So I had to text my friend Chelsea and be like, what was, what was Doug's last name? Because I don't remember. <laughs> um, but I, um, you know, we would be sitting around waiting for class to start. I think he both enjoyed me, but also was annoyed by me, which is a lot of people's experiences, I think. And, yeah, it checks out. Um, <laughs> and um, I would just be talking at the beginning of class, I guess to Chelsea must've been in my class, but I think I was just like talking to talk and about whatever was on, not history. This was not history related. It was truly just like about whatever movie I'd seen or like the Cowboys or whatever. And then at some point he just let me have five minutes at the beginning of class to stand up in front of the class and like monologue. Get it out of your system. <laughs> just get it out of your <laughs> And I loved it. I was so excited to go to school, like to go to that class. Well, I love history, but I also was just like, yes, let me talk. I mean, the one I remember the most, which actually syncs up, this is how much I have never changed in my life, is I remember talking about The Fugitive um, and how much I loved it and like how great it was and like really trying to be like, guys, I know it sounds like it's like for your parents, but it's so good. And they were like, okay. You know, and it was a class of freshmen and sophomores. So I'm sure the sophomores were like, shut the fuck up, like get out of here. But yeah, I waxed on about TLJ and Harrison Ford and... It was great. It was it was a great time in my life. That was like the, you know, it was like moving out of very awkward middle school. And middle school was the time that I really tried to be popular. Like I, it was like, like it was the time in my life where I had like the most FOMO or just kind of being anxious about my status or whatever. I was never popular. I don't know why I cared, but it was just the thing that I cared about. And I had braces and whatever. It just was not a good look. By ninth grade, I was like, I, I was like, you know what? I have friends. It's fine. I don't need to be popular. I don't really care. I don't really care about embarrassing myself or whatever. And I just had a lot of confidence for a, for a ninth grader. Oh, I remember talking about Schindler's List because that had come out that Christmas. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of movies. It was like, I mean, not surprisingly, it was like Hillary's movie corner. So yes, Doug Miller's history class in ninth grade, 1993 to 94. I love how you class this as a success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas, just like, do it. Exactly. It was one exasperated (laughs) teacher's attempt to deal with you. He was probably both annoyed, but then also like, good, I don't have to teach for like 10 minutes or whatever. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. God, I was a punk. I mean, all it was, now thinking about it, sidebar, thinking about that world history class, how much was devoted to like the Magna Carta and the Norman conquest and all of the stuff, which is obviously very important. British history. One lick about like African history or Asian, like maybe like we learned about Mongolia and China a little bit, but like really not very much. It was very, we had to memorize the British monarchs. Like I knew it at some point. Right. More than likely, if you learn anything about African history, it's through the lens of, Yes, colonialism. Colonialism, and, yeah. 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 Rhodesia. Um, <laughs> yeah, that 300-year that whoopsie-daisy as we were all coming to America. <laughs> Oops. Oopsie-daisy. 
yeah, that's that's kind of fucked up. But anyway, moving on. Moving on. Um, Anne, I would like to know if you have an actual success you'd like to share. Um, <laughs> like a couch success <laughs> of being an annoying um, high school student. Uh, all right. All right. So I will talk about speech debate when I was in 10th grade. I guess I got into speech and debate and let's like, just define this a little bit. There was a debate half of it, but I was not interested in debate. I was in the speech part. And so, uh, in the speech, in, in the speech, in, in the speech part of this activity, um, it's about delivering speeches ha ha that's great for our topic tonight um but there were a bunch of different categories that you could choose so there were things like extemporaneous speaking where 30 minutes before your round started you pulled a topic out of a hat and had to write a speech i had a friend who did extemp reading which was the same thing except they just had a big book, like an anthology with pieces of writing, essays and novels and poems and whatever. And again, 30 minutes before the round starts, you pick it out of a hat. Um, I was in poetry interpretation. Mm-hmm. That was my category. But then there was also like prose. Yeah, there was, that's what I did. There was drama where you had to do a scene with at least three characters and you had to play all the characters and then there was a dramatic duo which was the only partner category where it was two people doing a scene you know like your Romeo and Juliet whatever there was great speeches category and I remember my coach who also used to judge saying once if I have to see another blonde girl do the I have a dream speech (laughs) to kill myself (laughs) so so the speech part of all this is quite different from the the debate part of it um and we had not had a speech team at roseville area high school for quite a long time so it was starting back up and the reason that i got into it was i was in um well to go along with hillary's story it was a history class it was actually something called american experience which was like a dual history and english class that was two periods long and it was team taught by two teachers and so as you would learn the world history events, then you would also like read the literature associated with that stuff. So it's pretty cool. And I think it was like we were doing World War One, and I read a poem as part of a group project, probably Siegfried Sassoon, um, World War One poem. And the, my teacher came to me afterwards and said, you know, we're actually starting up this speech thing. And you should think about joining because you did that very well. So I was like, okay. So I was in poetry and uh, the way that it works for us anyway, I don't know about Hillary's experience, is your piece has to be between five and eight minutes. Um, outside of those boundaries, you get penalized. It uh, doesn't have to be memorized, but I went to our first meet and I was like, fuck, you're never going to win if you don't have your piece memorized. So I think the yeah. night before the second meet, I just memorized the whole thing. And it's a performance, but it's not a but you're not acting it out like you can't move around and you can use like hand gestures and things, but it's not like a full performance of something. Sure. It's more like an interpretation. And so you write a 30 second introduction, like talking about here's the substance of this poem. Here's kind of what I'm going to do with it. And then you give it and then yay. And so this is our, again, this is our second meet. 
nobody knows what they're doing. We're not even close to like getting any prizes or anything. We're at the the awards ceremony at the end of the meet and everybody else is getting their names called other schools and whatever and just Roseville nothing nothing nothing. And we got to the point where we were getting a little slap happy and when people from the Rosemount School District were getting called, we were like, "Woo!" It's kind of a similar name. Like we were being so obnoxious. Uh, and then my name got called. And a roar went up from our section. <laughs> like so the like that like the idea that just one of us got something. And I think it was third. I got third place or something. But, like, I have this memory of being actually the first person in the modern history of the Roseville speech program to win a prize. That must have been a good feeling. That was good. It was, yeah. Cheering like that. It was, a, it was a really good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Poetry is a very fun category in the fact that I saw there was a girl once who did, like, the T.S. Eliot Cats poems once yes. mm-hmm. and we were all like oh honey <laughs> please <laughs> if your poem does not involve death you are not winning <laughs> it is death it is war it is the doctors that treat the soldiers in war <laughs> it is horrible accidents <laughs> that's what tragedy wins for you in speech <laughs> and so it was uh it was a good time over there in, in the poetry corner Oh, I actually, right. I had a, um, really early. Yeah, I had, so I had my poem that year was about a woman who's coming to terms with having cancer. And that was the year that my Fun. mom was diagnosed with cancer. So cancer I don't know so- if my uh, teachers suggested that for a particular reason or not, or if I gravitated to it for a particular reason or not. But uh, yeah, I went, I went with the cancer poem, did quite well. Yeah. <laughs> good well, job. Meredith, which of us has a better transition from death? Mine's actually pretty good, but I don't want to undercut you if you've got one. Well, mine's my next one's takes place in a hospital. All right, that's good. That's good. Um, This this isn't the okay. So there was when I worked at the hospital, we constantly had people asking us, "Can you teach me how to do statistics?" And we're like, "No, sure." How would you do that? Give yeah, a go stat get a, magazine. Go get a master's degree is what I would usually say. I know, honestly, um, not, okay, let's digress here from my Meredith. Yeah. But you have a lot of people like MDs, and you know this better than I do, who are pretty convinced that they're competent to do their own statistic work. And I'm like, yes. you do realize that I went to school for years to mm-hmm. understand yes. this stuff. And you took a couple of semesters while you were in school and you think that qualifies you as an expert on this stuff? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I would just say that's why we're here and here's the fee schedule. Like, bye. <laughs> I don't know. Like, so in, so we, we didn't want to do that. We didn't want to teach, I mean, individual physicians. There's like hundreds of them at that hospital. Like, give me a break. Um, so we also didn't really want to teach them how to do their own statistics, but we wanted to get them off our back. And I was involved in graduate medical education, which is resident and medical student um, training. And so I was enlisted to help with a presentation, like a multi-part series of understanding biostatistics in the medical literature. And I was like, okay, I can get behind that. That's fine. Right. They need to be able to learn, you know, to, to read a medical journal and understand what the numbers mean and what the various Right. They don't have to be are. able to do it. They just have to no. be able to understand what they're talking about. 
Yes. And I thought, like, okay, cool, that's great. And they said, it'll be, you know, um, we're going to record your voice over PowerPoint slides. And I was like, great. Oh, no, no one of those. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, I honestly was, like, fine with it. Um, Do you have any, like, I, cybersecurity training materials I could have? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with a thumb drive if I find it in the <laughs> parking lot. Sorry. Plug it in. See what's on there. Plug it in. Yeah. It's, it's a gift. Uh, so I, you know, I agreed to do this. I had my slides and it was fine. And then at some point, like a week before we were ready to do it, they said, no, we've changed the, the format. Now, now we're going to be filming you doing a presentation. And I was no. like, what? Oh. That is, that that's is not, different. That's very different. That's not what I signed up for. So it was instant panic of like, crap, I was not prepared for this. And this is not what I had in mind. And I was very comfortable with the voiceover thing. I am not comfortable with this. Um, but it gets worse. Um, what at the main campus of the hospital, there is a huge, um, basically a, a theater, um, an auditorium. That's what they're called. And it's where they do, it's called Eminem, which is a jaunty term for a not jaunty, um, uh, uh, conference that they do. I think every week or something and it's morbidity and mortality and it's going over all the ways that everybody in the hospital has died like are there trends in like infections are there trends in whatever so i I learned about that on gray's anatomy yeah basically (laughs) well in gray's anatomy it's here's how you fucked up yeah Yeah. well yeah because a lot of times it's their fault (laughs) so it's not just like people dying of things that they expect them to die from it's 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 bad jobs. We did a bad job. Let's go over it. Um, and so that's where they do those sort of things. And they do conferences and, and, and other things. And and I was sort of overwhelmed. I'm like, why does it have to be there? Like, why does it have to be in this huge theater? Like, what are we ta- what are we doing? Um, but that was the plan. And so I, I went and I prepared. I was on this, you know, standing behind this lectern in front of a huge um, PowerPoint slide. And there was nobody there. Ooh. And there wasn't meant to be. And oh, okay. That was, I get it. Because you're filming it. Because we're filming it. And it was like mildly comforting that at least nobody was going to watch me fail. But it was so awkward to have to make a speech to nobody. It was so awkward. You don't have any sort of sense of like when to pause or like you make a joke and you have no idea if it was anything. And it's just, it was the most awkward thing I've ever done in my life. And it's recorded. Luckily it's like behind a million firewalls and it's only available within the hospital system. Uh, and I don't even know if it's available that way anymore. Well, Bobby, you've got your orders. Nope. 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 I'm no hacker. That's not my, uh, forte. Please don't. I can uh, mind I, the I, public domain only. Yeah, I never went back and watched it because I was just so like mortified about the whole premise of it, and it was probably the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my life. <laughs> That's not cool, though. Debate and switch you like that. I know. Yeah. I tried to weasel out of it, but I couldn't. Ugh. Yeah. Well, that'll oh. teach you to ever get involved with anything like that well, ever it sure again. Did teach me. Yep. Yeah. Well, as long as we're talking about death, sort of, uh, this is one of my success stories, which was creepy. Um, uh, Another reason that public speaking is on my mind is because I've been talking about this speech I have to give next week, including to um, 
my Aunt Rose. <laughs> Sam and I took my Aunt Rose. Now, for context, for those of you who've forgotten, this is my uncle's ex-wife, <laughs> who we like more than my uncle. Um, and she's been a part of the family, even though they got divorced a long time ago. We drove out to Rochester to go to a baseball game with her, to a Rochester Red Wings game. Yeah, I have one of those. And, I, I have an Aunt Diane who's divorced from yeah. my uncle 40-odd years ago. She's cool. See, right? Exactly. So, you know, you pick your family when you can, right? My mom will agree, and it's her brother. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, my mom also, yeah, takes Rose over Terry every day. Um, we, so we drove out. We, we went to the game. And I'm, we're sitting there, and I'm kind of mentioning this, like, hey, i got to write this speech. And Rose, so kind. You know, I was the ring bearer in their wedding. I was five. Um, <laughs> she's loved me ever since. She's like, I watched you grow up. And she goes, but you're a great public speaker. That speech you gave about your grandmother was so moving. And I looked at her, and then it clicked. Oh, you mean her eulogy? <laughs> well. <laughs> and she said, yeah, you, you did such a good job delivering it. And I, I thought about it, and actually, yeah. And I think I probably talked about it when it happened. But, you know, it's a complicated relationship I my, with my grandmother because she basically was one of my parental figures growing up. Um, but at the same time, she was also a manipulative bitch. So just, you know. I, I'm allowed to say that now she's been gone long enough. Um, and so I, I wrote a eulogy that really walked that line about how she was very important to me, but also really her top priority was herself. <laughs> and uh, and it didn't really matter who was in the way of that. And I, I balanced a very thoughtful eulogy about that that left people sincerely considering all of those things. And... Um, it was just weird because I had never thought of that as like success in public speaking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and yet somehow the eulogy for grandmother uh, is fairly high on the list. And uh, <laughs> because I'm the young and the only pape, the youngest and, and last, uh, I probably get a few more cracks at it with my complicated family at some point. <laughs> the youngest um, of the pape dynasty. <laughs> yeah. Youngest and end of the lineage here, unless the cats somehow figure out a way to carry the name. So, um, it's just um i i never would have framed it that way and I, I went back and thought about it a little bit and yeah you know and i also became a writer and and sort of my general vein in in my career was sort of because of her in a lot of ways and so it's fitting that i guess one of my better public speaking engagements that apparently people remember me by <laughs> that's good that's <laughs> my sweet, yeah. my yeah. send off to her no but but remember it was not all roses i mean the thing really was uh, it was a um, roast. She was yeah, talking about I, your delivery, though. She kinda, must have enjoyed it. Yes, yeah. my, my orations. Go, and, you know, I got a lot of flashbacks in talking about um, speech and debate. We didn't call it that. We called it something else. But um, I took it. I, I was a class. I, I took it as a class, not a club. Did you call but it the doing, National Forensics League? I was going to say forensics. Because no, I, I have a membership either. card in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Ants in the NFL. Oh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but I remember having like the weird sized black binder that was bigger, smaller than a page, and we all learned how to print a certain way and cut it to to fit, and with monologue scripts to study and all that. And uh, yeah, so uh, my grandmother's eulogy. I should dig out the script on. I haven't read it since I since I read it. You yeah, know, to the, I can't to that revisit group. that kind of stuff because you're just yeah. like, oh, it's so earnest or whatever. There's like things you're like, I would change, you know, yeah, how I would say that yeah. now. <sighs> well, um, we got good and bad out here, I think. Um, 
I figured we could just do one more round for like tidying up other experiences. And, and so my last one is not, um, I mean, it is kind of a brag. It's something I'm good at, but it was just a few weeks ago. Um, I ended up emceeing a press conference for my leadership class. And mm. we've got people who raised a ton of money and we got a bunch of people who like did the architectural design plans for all the construction that we did. Whereas I went in one night and just like painted a wall half-assed because that's what <laughs> I was good at. But my contribution to this team of everybody with very different skills was I could write a three-page press uh, press conference script where I introduced like six different people and then like riff a transition between each of them. This won't be a surprise to you guys because we do this all the time. No. Yes. But like yep. my transition skills on professional display instead of just uh, on podcast topic display. Um, and it just uh, – it it's a note to me about how much more comfortable I've come with stuff like that. And for me, it's actually easier with less of a script. So if I can start with a little, some bullet points or something, but then kind of be me, as long as I remember to talk a little slower and um, enunciate a little more than I would think I need to otherwise. Um, that was kind of fun. And I had a lot of people come up to me after and like, you were, that was really good. You're really good at this. And I've kind of reached the point where I just, well, yeah, it's my job. Like I'm in marketing and sales mm -hmm. and fundraising. I mean, I like, could have yeah. told them that. Yeah. That's what I that's what I do. You guys have money and you make big deals and and can do all that stuff and like I'm just a professional bullshitter. So, <laughs> I sure hope I'm half good at it. Um, but it was just my recent experience thinking about public speaking was just that was nothing. Like I sat down for an hour and I hammered out some notes and um, this goes hand in hand with my recent uh, auctioneering debut, I suppose. <laughs> just getting more comfortable going up into those spotlight things, which still makes me a little nervous. Uh, but I've learned how to manage it better. Um, Hillary, uh, your next entry makes me think that you're also good in a pinch for one of those quick jump up things. Yes, I feel like I'm not a great planner. Like if you gave me time to plan a speech or something, I would muck it up somehow or I would wait until the last minute to do it. I don't know why. It's like I need the thrill. I just need the urgency of it. But I can perform well when called upon <laughs> surprise surprise that I like the spotlight so I'm not like I'll get a little nervous right before because you're just like oh, oh gosh but what instead of like when I stand up in front of an audience to speak instead of like imagining everybody naked it's like I almost go blind sort of like I'm not I don't everybody's a blur like I don't yeah see anybody um but on many occasions I've been called to I feel like my mom my mom is a very outgoing person, but she doesn't love making speeches. Um, so she'll be like, Hillary, go up there. <laughs> so I'll go up there and toast at various weddings. The thing that you have to do is you just have to keep it like, do not make it long. Don't make it too gross. Be a little bit funny. Be sentimental and end it. Nobody wants a long, like drawn out thing. It doesn't matter how many drinks you've had. You just need to keep it tight. I, I did my a eulogy, not the, but like many people got to speak at my cousin's funeral we shared the same birthday. So I was like, I, I wrapped it up in our shared birthday. That was a part of it. And it, it, it went over well. So that is like my sort of success story. It is kind of the thing that I'm, I'm better off the cuff than I am like super planned. Um, though again, I don't think I would like to watch any of these because I think it would probably be a little bit messy, but, um, but yeah, that's sort of my, 
I can I can talk if you need me to talk. I can, and then sometimes we've talked about this with work where sometimes you'll start speaking and all of a sudden it's like you're floating above your body and you're like, look at you, you're talking right yep. now and you're making sense and it's funny and you're doing a good job. I can, as I aged, I think I can do that pretty well. So not a specific, just a wedding toast, a eulogy. I'm good for it. And I am more than happy to... <laughs> to speak. I'm like, yeah, sure. Raising my hand. I'll speak. I'll do it. So, yep. That's it. Yeah. I was always one of those, like I was so quiet and shy yeah. growing up, but then when I did get asked to speak, I would just sort of snap into whatever, yep. you know, be a little Horror bit funny, mode. be a little bit yeah. punchy, be a little bit whatever. And people were like, oh my God, she has personality. I didn't understand. <laughs> like, realize that. I do. As a matter of fact. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to remember what movie it is that gives the comment advice of being funny but not too funny and memorable but not too memorable. Oh, is yeah. Ocean's Eleven? It might be I Ocean's Eleven. I think it's Ocean's Eleven, actually. Yes, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, and you have two left in yours, so I don't know what either of them means. Um, well, they're not very similar, but all right, let's 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 shotgun through them. It's not going to be a shotgun. Well, there actually is a shotgun involved in one of them. <laughs> See, there you go. It was the shotgun. <laughs> uh, so this this is again in high school. Um, and when I was in 10th grade, I was in a production of what was then called Ten Little Indians, the play by Agatha Christie. It is actually um, now, I, and perhaps the novel originally was called And Then There Were None. Uh, and then when it was first performed in uh, 1943, it was actually called Ten Little <clears throat> N-Words. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, boy. And the, yeah, and that got updated to this slightly less offensive Ten Little Indians, and now they're back to And Then There Were None. So uh, obviously it's Agatha Christie, so it's a murder mystery like set in an isolated fancy house. Uh, and the guests all start dying one by one, and it turns out that they had all done bad things in their past, and the killer had, you know, um, conspired, not conspired, transpired, not transpired, had um, finagled uh, getting them all into this one isolated location so they could make a point by killing them one by one. Um, And I think I've mentioned before one of the things that frustrated me about my high school um, drama program is that they had pretensions to professionalism. So rather than picking plays that would allow the most kids to participate, they kind of picked plays like this, where there were 11 roles, uh, eight of which were male and three of which were female. So if you were one of the 10 guys who wanted to be in theater, you had a great shot. And if you were one of the 50 girls, Mm -hmm. good luck. And so in this particular case, they actually gender swapped a role. And that was the one that I got because, of course, I'm such a manly lady. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I and I broad hand. I know. No doubt about it. So I played the doctor. Uh, and the this wait 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 what they let a woman play the doctor I know a man and a doctor <laughs> but but the backstory on the doctor was that I was an alcoholic and as a result I had killed somebody in the operating uh, room and that was my secret shame yes <laughs> but as the doctor in the play I had the duty a lot of the time of pronouncing the deaths of exclaiming on the desk. I think I was the third to last to die out of 11 characters. Well, 10 plus the murderer. So I so I pronounced a lot of deaths in that play. And our opening night, 
when all the nerves are high and everything, everything. And we got to the scene where the old like war hero, who was of course secretly a war criminal, uh, got stabbed in the back. And nobody noticed that he'd been stabbed in the back because he was just sitting there and then he slumped over and he died. And I had to, you know, go over and be shocked to be like, he's dead. He's been stabbed in the back. And I got confused in the moment. And I said, oh, no, he's dead. Shot through the head. And then I realized <laughs> I was pronouncing the wrong death at the wrong time in the play. Oh, no. And oh, no. my brain shut off in survival mode. And I think I just... And when the scene was over, we left and my... A uh, fellow actor was like, what the fuck was that? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I kind of like I acted like I was overcome by emotion in the moment <laughs> to try and disguise my little snafu. Oh, but I don't know how successful that was. So that's another one that I remember just going, oh, no, he's dead. Shot in the head. <laughs> when there had been no gunshot no nothing Ooh, no no weapon oh. no visible oh dear Anne. oh god that was a good oh. one okay so that was that yeah. one uh the other one uh is i will end with a triumph instead of a fail the, this is also in 10th grade i guess 10th grade was a very speech intensive year for me and i was in this english class like advanced english whatever i don't know smart kid english and for one of the assignments, our teacher, Mr. Peterson, uh, had us write an essay that was somehow connected to like the VFW or the American Legion or something. It was a contest, an essay contest for high schoolers sponsored by the Veterans Association that I can't remember. Um, and the topic was My Voice in America's Future. Um, and I don't know why Mr. Peterson wanted to do this. Like he thought it was a good writing exercise and whatever. So we all wrote the essays and I actually worked really hard on mine and I had my mom sort of edit me on it, like help me. Like my parents actually weren't very involved in my schoolwork and they were not, they were not the kind of parents that, uh, ever really did my work for me it's like not like you show up and you see the other kids baking soda volcano and you're like well shit obviously their dad made that yes. like my parents yeah. were not those parents they were not interested in that but my mom actually you know worked with me on it quite a bit and gave me a lot of advice and I wrote it and then I think you did record it you recorded it on a cassette tape or something and then Mr. Peterson submitted them all and I won a prize and I got to Aww. go to the VFW, whatever. There was like a <laughs> dinner and prizes presented, and uh, I got a fifty dollar check. I think I got second place, second place or third place. I got a fifty dollar check, and then Mr. Peterson got a fifty dollar check. Now he did not nice. come to the dinner. I was given the check to him, and so I had to take it to school and be like, "Here, they gave this money for you." <laughs> and it was one of those times in my life where, like, he looked at me and I looked at him. And we both knew he didn't deserve that money. Like, he had done nothing <laughs> to help shape to this essay in any way. Like, that money should have gone to my mother, <laughs> if anybody. <laughs> but, like, this sort of silent acknowledgement between the two of us that he did not deserve this. So, 
Um, and, and my essay, you know, it was a very 10th grade essay where I, the Bobby, you'll like this, I compared America to an orchestra and all the different people in the country are the different instruments in the orchestra. And even though we all have different sounds, different timbres, we play different parts. We all come together to make one big song. And that's my voice in America's future. What? And you should just give it to Bobby and he can read it for his speech for him. <laughs> oh, problem solved. Yeah, there we go. You save you'll save me a couple hours of work. And and I'm I'll admit I'm hoping that the check that they hand me after for this more year's fundraising 50? is more than fifty dollars. <laughs> what if it was just fifty dollars? <laughs> well one for I, each week. Seeing as I paid for my di- my lunch, so I think I gave them forty dollars. <laughs> I I think they would have comped me, but I decided in the spirit of the event yeah, to pipe. Sure. You know, yeah. Um, don't uh, don't yeah, nickel and dime the ladies auxiliary, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Meredith, uh, tell us about your company retreat. Well, I'm going to do a last minute switcheroo because Anne's story reminded me of a better one. Um, okay. that is remarkably similar. So, but, but science. Um, so I went to a, a, a math and science Academy in fifth grade and I was the jerk who ruined the grading curve in science class for everybody else. And all the nerd. kids in class hated me, hated me, hated me. And this or get didn't better help. nerds. Well, that was, <laughs> I didn't up. care. Honestly, I was like, you guys can fail. That's fine. Um, we did science experiments and I demonstrated capillary pressure by putting, I think it was like purple um, food dye um, in a glass of water and then putting celery in it. And then the celery turns purple because it sucks up the purple water. I mean, it's no Brazil nut, but. <laughs> it's no Brazil nut. But apparently for fifth grade, that was like, wow, okay. I must sure. have done a good job presenting it. I don't even remember that part of it. But. It one it like I don't know my teacher my teacher liked me and she decided that whoever won this science fair was gonna come with her to some like science um, symposium and she picked me um, and she it was like an after it was a week night I remember it was a school night and she came to my house and picked me up from my house and drove me to this thing. And we got to like go to this cool, I don't even remember what it was. That wasn't the point. The point was oh, that I won. Oh, how that would never happen in I know. I was just thinking that. Yeah. <clears throat> no chaperone, no too deep leadership, nope. as we used to call it in Boy Scouts. Just me and Mrs. Mooma. <laughs> I loved her very much. Title of a movie much. right there. Yeah. <laughs> that was a quick one, but that is better than my, my company one is that I had to do a speech last year at this retreat we went to in Cleveland and I didn't f- totally fail. So <laughs> that was my success story. Yay. <laughs> I got a couple laughs about statistical abbreviations and acronyms. Wow. Uh, yep. <laughs> Can't believe so you're not crowd. on the Tonight Show with that. Fun crowd. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, most of my public speaking uh, have, have been disasters. So. Oh, I get it. Have, have we done a Tishi is Overachievers episode? I feel like there's just... We just brag about our academic achievements that translated to very little in our post-academic lives. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, I mean, uh, I could talk about some failures. 
Oh, <laughs> and on that note, the question of the week, tell us about your public speaking failures or triumphs. Pick one or the other or both. Um, it's been a while since we've had some long form answers on a question of the week. So, all right, let it fly this week. We're good. Yep. We want to hear all about it. Um, and of course, if you'd rather tell us than write to us, you can always do that by sending us a voice memo. Sure. Uh, and you can ship that on into tshishow at gmail.com. I'm going to get out of order here to plug that because I think this particular prompt uh, plays really quite nicely with voice memos. So, again, yep. give us your public speaking failure or triumph and or triumph. Um, yeah, should I take us to recommends? Yes, please. Okay. This is a very stupid recommendation. But since I cut cable, um, it, whatever, years ago. I've definitely watched less, um, fewer, you know, house, the HGTV kind of shows. Cause those were the shows I would just sort of land on to have like noise in the background. Well, when we came back from, um, the resort, I was like, I just want to watch something dumb. Like, I don't want to pay attention. I just kind of want to, whatever. I, I don't want to pay attention to like, um, uh, important television or even a movie at this point. I just like, I'm brain dead right now. And I remembered that, I don't think it's actually a good thing, but for these purposes, it is, um, you know, now it's like whatever it's called max and discovery is on max now. So you get all the like various HGTV, um, programming and I don't like, there's a lot of HGTV that I don't like, but I've always had a soft spot for house hunters international one, because I like to travel and I like to see other places, but there it's, it's so stupid and I get so much joy about how stupid it is. Every single episode is the same. Well, okay. So what's great about it on beyond max is you don't get any, there's no, it just is like they're, they're 15 minutes long. Like there's no commercial break. So you just kind of roll through them. I might've gotten a little bit stoned and I was like LOLing at several of them. It, the situation is always this. Somebody got a job somewhere. They are moving their whole family. They're uprooting people. And then, somebody wants to live in the city center and somebody wants to live in the country. Like that's always what's going on. <laughs> and there's so many extraneous details to these. Like this one woman, she, um, she was a single gal. She was like in her, I don't know, late fifties, early sixties. She had lived in, um, uh, Grand Bahama before when she was a young person. Then she moved and got a corporate job in California. Then she just, she got divorced. She, ended another relationship. Her kid graduated from high school or college or something. She decided that she was going to move back to Grand Bahama and just start a life over again, not work the corporate world. She's going to, um, um, start a small business with her passion in graphic design and taking pictures of dogs at the humane. I mean, it was like, I got so much story in this 15 minutes, but her, so they always have to have like a little counterpart. Well, she's not, she doesn't have a spouse or anything. So she had her friend, like I can't remember her friend's name was like Sue or something. And Sue was the one that was like, don't spend too much money. You're spending too much money. Don't spend too much money. Anyway, it was very enjoyable. So if you just want to watch something dumb and look at pretty, uh, pretty cities, watch house hunters international the single guy that was going to china i'm always like the single white guy that was going to china i'm like you're suspect i don't like this one you're giving me bad vibes right now but the rest of them were really fun i always like when they go to like a big city somewhere that i've never been to it's enjoyable yes very stupidly house hunters international i can one-up your stupidness on this (laughs) um 
you know, we got rid of our cable a couple weeks ago again. So we had it. We had cable when we first moved back to this apartment, uh, just because it's easy, like just being able to flip channels and throw something on. But I don't really turn on the TV a lot when Sam's not here, just because I'd rather listen to podcasts or stare at my phone. And I realized the more and more I was looking at Sam watching Roku channels, and it <laughs> was making City. me wonder why we were paying for cable. Yep. So I finally got rid of the cable, but it means that when I'm flipping channels now on the rare times that I am, I also bought a cheap antenna to put on the, the yeah. main TV yeah. um, to try to get those over air, you know, for CBS Sunday morning, basically. Yep. Oh, yep. And um, I started flipping the Roku channels, and I just I hadn't fully grasped that, like, every syndicated TV show that hasn't landed on a network anymore has been reduced to a Roku-free channel that does nothing <laughs> but air that show all the time. And as I'm flipping channels, don't I find the original Iron Chef, the one from the 90s, the actual original from Japan, um, with the terrible English dubbing? And it brought back a wave of nostalgia for me because everything in this episode revolves around 10th grade. And when I was in 10th grade, I hung out with a a crew of juniors and seniors. uh, And every Saturday night, we went to uh, Mike Kowalski's basement to watch whatever that episode of Iron Chef that was going to be on Food Network that night was back in the early days when they still aired this stuff. So that was, you know, 2002, and they were wearing reruns from the 90s of this poorly dubbed show. And we were obsessed about it. Their Senior Week Spirit team that year went as different secret ingredients, theme ingredients (laughs) from Iron Chef as their costumes. Oh, my God. Um, Back when Iron Chef was was appointment TV. Yes. Yes. And so I think it was on like 10 on Saturday. So we would watch it. And then, of course, we would go drink caffeinated drinks, eat a bunch of junk food and run around town playing pranks and screwing around. Cool. That was our cool stuff. Yeah, we weren't really drinkers. So we were just like dumb hooligans, like (laughs) the most innocent kind. And I'm flipping channels. And don't I get and hit uh, Hiroyuki Sakai like doing some beautiful work with some fish and then broiling something else and... I, I realize Sam's not here and I'm alone and suddenly I've watched half an hour of this old episode of Iron Chef and now every time I can't sleep, especially when she's not here, I will just throw on the Iron Chef channel um, the leak battle I watched last night and it was just incredible until I was ready to fall asleep and then I just, you know, not invested at all Yes, but yeah. uh, at some yeah, point so. you can kind of just, you're like I'm going to shut this off, I don't yeah. really care that much but I yeah. have to see what happens with the leaks <laughs> Something tells me if I look it up right now, I can find out. <laughs> Somebody has, has painstakingly archived all of this, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, I recommend just, uh, I guess, just going to the, the really high numbers in those Roku channels. <laughs> and just, uh, um, I'm, I'm checking now, actually, on Iron Chef. Yeah, ICBDB, the Iron Chef database. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Battle Leak. Hmm. And... Uh, Oh, the judging panels here. So there's always the actress who has. Oh, yes. The judging panel was a film director, an actress, a food critic, and a kimono designer. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course, the Iron Chef. Uh, All won qualified. By a lot. Yeah. Of Absolutely. course. So. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. And with that, 
how you can get involved with the show. You can find us at thisshowhaseverything.com. The Facebook group is where the real action is, including the question of the week and all that other good stuff and listeners posting fun things. You can email us your voice memos about your triumphs or failures in public speaking or performing to tshishow at gmail.com. Um, I'm going to say this, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, I think this is the last week you can fax me. <gasps> Get out now. Oh, my gosh. It's 617-354-8513. I am in the process of shutting down the the phone number that came with that free fax line. So uh, after about a year of Boston Music of Evil only getting spam calls to its work number, I think I've decided it's time to retire that $50 a month account. So, Well, that's kind of expensive, actually, so that's okay. But I mean, I I could probably find the fax number for the Albany Symphony copier. Like, it gets faxes. I just don't know what it is. And also, there's a good chance that somebody else will pick it off the printer. So, I can't I can't have Will's colonoscopy just popping up <laughs> uh, when one of my co-workers goes to that. Anyways. I don't see why not. Chance, last chance for fax. 617-354-8513. The AOL keyword is Tishi. That will never go away. Never. <laughs> yeah. That, that's built uh, with much more... Uh, Structural integrity than that <laughs> sub. Oh, God. Uh, and with that, uh, thank you for joining us this week. That was I'm probably not everything no. about our embarrassments and, and triumphs in public speaking. No. I got more. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Received the letter just the other day. Don't seem to want to know you no more. Thank you.